0: We are on Exodus chapter 1. This morning I want to talk to us on a weekly message called To Obey or To Betray. As we live every day, We have choices to make, either to obey Him or to betray Him. That's the choice that we have. That's what we are faced with on a daily basis. To obey the Master or to betray the Master. The choice is yours. He has done all He could do to convince you that He is Lord that He is the way, that He is the truth, that He is the life, that He is the resurrection, that He is the Alpha and the Omega, that He is the beginning and the end, that He is the only Savior, the only Messiah. There is none like Him. There shall be none like Him. I mean, He has done it all, and He even showed it on the cross of Calvary, that I am who I am. Make your choices. You follow me or you follow the enemy. You obey me or you betray me. Unfortunately, many of us, even in the body of Christ, we still betray Him. So, this morning, let's just see how we can help one another on this. There's a beautiful story in Exodus chapter 1. Verses 15 to 22. Maybe let's read that scripture together. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sifra, or is it Sifra, and the other Pune, When you serve as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. Let's all say you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. Somebody say she shall live. Let's move on. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. Hallelujah. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Hallelujah. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Hallelujah. God bless the reading of the world this morning. We are in Egypt. This is where we find this story. The children of Israel are in bondage or in slavery. They have been here for over 400 years. The first pharaoh whom Joseph served and interpreted the dreams and appointed him prime minister of Egypt is dead. And there is another pharaoh. The Bible says, who did not know Joseph? I, I think he was a dull pharaoh. I think there were files in the office about Joseph. He didn't want to read the files and pretended he did not know Joseph because he was thinking luck in the olden days. So because he didn't know Joseph, the Bible says, he went to his people and said, hey, check, these people are increasing in numbers and in strength. They will be more than us, and if they are more than us, they might join our enemies. And when we are at war, they might crush us, meaning they were really afraid of the children of Israel. And then they devised a plan to enslave them more. They increased and doubled to the workload. They made them to make bricks with mortar, day in and day out. They made them build cities, about two cities that they built in Egypt. They under slavery. They made them do a lot of things, and that was not enough to fail. He wanted to eliminate their city. He wanted to stop them from and the only way of stopping humanity from growing is to kill the sons, because the sons carry the seed. How many of us this morning understand that the enemy has always been against the seed carriers? And how many understand this morning, even today, that the enemy is against your son? Have you ever wondered why everything is about you? He must be eliminated. And the strategies that the enemy devices these days, they are so beautiful, so romantic, so attractive. So that your male son can be attracted and then lead himself to the slaughter pole. You know, the devil no longer pushes them like this pharaoh. The devil is learned, is smart. It's calculative. It devices beautiful things. Beautiful things. Yeah? And the boys just get attracted. And they walk there themselves. And before they know it, they are gone. Have you ever asked yourselves why every advert there is a nude woman? Because the sons are attracted to the woman. That is natural. That's not a sin. It's how God created it. But the devil uses it. One way or the other. When they walk in, it's hard to come out. And this Pharaoh says, let every Hebrew son die. And how does he plan to kill them? At birth. He's not going to introduce abortion. He will allow them to give birth, and at birth that very moment before it cries, it must be eliminated. and he then speaks to the Hebrew midwives and sells his strategy perfect strategy he has caught Israel where he wanted them. But then, unknown to Pharaoh these two midwives. Hey, the whole nation had only two midwives. These two midwives, the Bible says they feared God. They feared God, not Pharaoh. They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, their slave master. So they had to make a choice either God or Pharaoh. And they made a good choice. They didn't carry out Pharaoh's command. When Pharaoh discovers that they are not killing the sons, he asks them, Why are you not doing what I told you? Then they tell Pharaoh exactly what a Hebrew woman ought to be. There's something you are missing from. The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are women, congratulations. But they are not the same. The Hebrew woman is vigorous, it does not wait for a midwife. Before we rush in, we are old. Before we rush in, the baby is already out. So we can't kill the baby. We must kill the baby while the mother is still mourning in terms of leper pains and he's still crying and has not yet seen the child. We eliminate it. But with the Hebrew women, before you get there, the baby's smiling. Because these women are vigorous. In other words, Pharaoh, your plan looks clever on paper, but it's dull. Because you can't beat God. <laughs> he is too clever than you think or you can imagine. And then Pharaoh devises another plan. He says, Okay, every Egyptian son, I mean Hebrew son, must be cast into the river Nile. If you read Exodus chapter two, where we are not going to get to today, you will realize that many parents had a choice. For God or for Pharaoh? Unfortunately, there were parents who went for Pharaoh and cast their sons into the river Nine. But one family in that story went for God and hid their son, baby Moses. That's why you and me are here this morning because of somebody's obedience. I want to talk to you briefly. Very briefly on two points. My first point is simple this morning. Today I'm talking moral obedience versus obedience to the law of the flesh. That's what we see here. Ladies and gentlemen, I need us to understand that on a daily basis, I have said this, you have choices to make. To obey God. The world. To obey God or obey man. Obey God or obey the flesh. Obey God or obey yourself will. Really. Obey God or obey the enemy. The enemy comes to you in various forms. Various forms. Let me say many forms. And therefore, you need wisdom to disay and understand that this is the enemy. And this is God. God has one standard of righteousness. He doesn't vary it. Because his voice does not change. The enemy's voice changes. According to context. But he is the same enemy. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. your enemy is never the same. He keeps changing, very dynamic. And the reason why he changes is because he is deceptive in nature. He must deceive you. So if you are not wise enough, you have no wisdom of God, no wisdom of the Spirit of God, and you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you, you will obey. Obey the enemy, thinking you are walking with God. And many fall into that trap. They mean good, but they serve certain. Unknowingly. And when you correct them, they say you are judging us. Isn't grace free? Isn't grace this that I can make choices? Grace helps you to make only one choice. For Jesus and nothing else. In this story, these women make choices, and their choice is based on only one fear: their fear of God. I think we are in a context like their context, where the enemy is out to eliminate. Where the enemy is out to defile the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, defile the church. Where the enemy is out to shut your voice and shut your faith. Where the enemy is out to control and manipulate you. And we need to make a choice. Either for Jesus or for the world. And what determines our choice is our fear of it. And how are you in this platform, ladies and gentlemen? In the fear of God. How much do you reverence God in your life? How much do you honor God in your life? How much do you understand God in your life? How much do you love God in your life? How much do you want to save God in your life without saving the world? That is the fear of God. Can you really stand up for Jesus? Amongst your colleagues, can you really stand up for Jesus in your classroom? Can you stand up for Jesus in your workplace? Can you choose Jesus everywhere? Or there are places where you don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. I am enjoying myself here. Or there are times where flesh wants to take off. And you entertain it. Where are you? What's fear of? These two midwives could not sin against God. Like David. These two midwives, it doesn't matter what Pharaoh will do to them. Remember, Pharaoh is a bully, he's a murderer, he's a slave master. He's unkind, he's a persecutor of the children of Israel, he's a persecutor of the Hebrews. So these guys have every reason to be afraid of Pharaoh. And say, yes, boss, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And they carry out every instruction. But there is something that Pharaoh doesn't understand. It is called the fear of God in a Hebrew. That is what determines the character. That is what determines the actions I take. I'm not sure if you're understanding me this morning. Hebrew there simple stands for you and me. It's the type of a believer. Israel is the model of the church, the type of the church. If you want to really understand the church, the movement called the church start the children of Israel in the exodus. Yeah, that is who we are now, because we are the new Israel of God, crowned with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have a model, we have a pattern, a design that we are following. Our fear of God, ladies and gentlemen, will carry us through in these last days. Our fear of God, ladies and gentlemen, will carry us through during hard times. Our fear of God, ladies and gentlemen, will drive us towards Jesus so madly. We cannot be stopped by the world if we fear God. But I'm not sure how much you train yourself to fear God. Are you ready to die for him if that opportunity came? Can you come out of your comfort zone to serve him if you were called to do so? Can you go an extra mile for Jesus if you were called to do so? What drives you to do that is your fear of God. And that the fear of God is based on your understanding of the finished work on the cross of Calvary. How much he did it for you and... That determines your love for him. These two women could not brook Pharaoh's nonsense. And they wouldn't care, And they didn't matter or mind. They knew that Hebrew women are not looking for midwives necessarily. Let me put it this way. You see, the challenge with us these days as Christians, what makes us weak is we expect other people to save us. We are expecting too much from others. We wait for too long on people to do things for us. And we call them spiritual fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, whatever kings that we call them. Hear me, well, this You are designed as a believer to do it yourself. The spirit in you Is not dependent on the hand of men. It's dependent on the hand of God. If you are that believer who waits on people to push you, you will stay there 38 years by the pool, waiting for others to do it for you. Hear me well, you will stay in that problem on that mountain, in that cave, in that valley, until Jesus returns, And it is not his fault. The fault is squarely on you because you want others to do it for you. You don't understand the power in you, the authority in you. You don't understand who you are. Give birth to things of the Lord. Do it yourself. Isn't you ever dream? What are you waiting for? Isn't there a passion in you to do something? What are you waiting for? For somebody to lay hands on you, he did on Calvary. That's enough. The challenge you love laying on hands by men And sometimes they lay hands and they abort the vision of Can I ask that you just check your neighbor and say to it yourself? To yourself. Please just tell your neighbor you have been there for too long. If the Hebrew women waited for the midwives, their sons were gonna be killed. But they knew who they were. And they trusted and believed in the God of Israel. And they gave birth by themselves. And their sons lived. I just want to help you and challenge you this morning. Give birth to that heavenly vision. Give birth to that assignment. Give birth to that ministry birth to that whichever is of the Lord and he is putting in your heart. You don't need any prophet to prophesy. He has prophesied. The Bible says in the days past he spoke through prophets. But now he has spoken through his son Jesus Christ. What else are you looking for? Didn't you hear Jesus speak on Calvary? There is no voice greater than the voice on the cross. He spoke through His death. He spoke through the beating in the curtain. He spoke through everything that happened in the courtyard. He spoke through His blood on the cross. He spoke in the grave. He spoke through the resurrection. He still speaks today. But here you are, you are still waiting for a man to speak to you. What man? No one else will. Jesus has spoken. Stand up and do what you ought to do. Ladies and gentlemen, there is going to be a crowning when I read my Bible. It tells me so. There is going to be a crowning at the end. There is going to be a prize-giving day. Have you attended a prize-giving day at school? Yeah? But that one will be a different one when we get home finally. You will clap hands until they break. I don't know whether spiritual hands break or not. Marvelling at others you were sitting with. Being crowned. While you get bronze. I am going for gold. Anyone this morning who is with me. We are going for gold Because we are all stars here. We are all able, yeah, no one here is made for bronze, bronze is choice, but we are all made for gold, so go for it, are you with me this morning? So what's this fear of God that I'm talking about? Let's look at a few things here on the of Psalm 111, verse 10, what does it say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Those who practice it have a good understanding. See the good understanding with the Hebrew women. I mean, the the, 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 the midwives. They had a good understanding of God's hand, God's desire for them. They were not confused. Now I don't know what to do, Satan or oh God. Come on, you know, it has got to be God. There has got to be no debate. If you walk in the fear of the Lord, your wisdom increases. Because wisdom is of God. And when that wisdom increases, understanding increases. You begin to understand the things of the Lord better and with clarity. You won't be bothering God praying for something that he has already given you. Grab it. Take it. It's yours. Run with it. Understand. That's what the fear of the Lord does. Let's move on to another scripture. That's Psalm 19 verse 9. What does the Bible say? The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean. There's no intimidation in it. It's pure. It's like perfect love. The Bible says there's no fear in perfect love. And in the fear of God, there is no fear. In the reverence of God, there is no fear. In the praise of God, in the serving of God, there is no fear. It is clean, ladies and gentlemen. Clean relationships. Clean associations. Clean business. Clean families. Clean everything. That's what the fear of the Lord produces out of you and me. It's clean. Are you with me there? It's clean and it endures forever. Pharaoh cannot kill it. Pharaoh cannot take it away unless you throw it away yourself. And I know you are not going to throw it away yourself. Let's move on. Proverbs chapter 29. Let's see another kind this time. It says, The fear of men lays his name, but we ever trust in the Lord himself. What ensnare?s you and me is the fear of men. Some of us fear men and say we honor them. Yeah? Some of us fear men and then begin to say, ah, the Bible says we should honor authorities. Ah, we should pray for them. The Bible never said honor a demon. No, it didn't. Any authority that is demon-possessed, I might honor you as a human being, but I don't honor your spirit. Because your spirit and my spirit are fighting, say. They're clashing. Therefore, I cannot bow. Are you with me, then? The Bible is not contradicting itself to say and be very accurate. Fearing men will ensnare you. What does this mean? It means you will do what you are not supposed to do, yeah, and get ensnared. And when you are ensnared in these things, it is hard to come out. Very hard to. So be careful. Walk with men. Love men. Love your enemies, but don't fear men to the point that you bow to men. And bow to idols and bow to the world system because you're afraid men can kill you. When you decide to walk in the fear of men, let me tell you, you will be safe. Very safe. They will not touch you. Pharaoh couldn't even imagine killing the midwives, the Lord would not allow him. Even a second. And you saw where we read. God had to promote the midwives and give them families because they feared God. Maybe some of the things you are praying for, some of the things you desire so much, ladies and gentlemen, they are hanging in the air like this, ready to land in your space if you walk in the fear. Because the fear of the Lord will attract the things of the Lord. Maybe instead of fasting for 40 days and 40 nights for that thing, just learn the fear. of Do you know you can fast without fearing God? Do you know you can preach like me without fearing God? Do you know you can come to church without fearing God? Do you know you can be a Christian and confess I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? I'm born again. I have the anointing that is on the Lord Jesus Christ. As he is, so am I. But you're not fearing God. And your confession brings nothing. Yields nothing. And you are vulnerable. But when you fear the Lord. And you trust him. Let's move on to my last point. Am I still doing well in time? Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. Very well. Very well. Very well. Uh, am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. Number two, the last point that I want us to look at resilience in hard times. What we learn from the Hebrew women is resilience in hard times. What we learn from the children of Israel in that context is hard times. What we see there is a picture of believers in the world. Remember that Egypt is the form of the world system, isn't it? And Israel is the type of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. And verse told you that the whole of Exodus is about our salvation. It's about our redemption. It's about the church. If you want to understand where the church emanates from, it comes from Exodus. So that's the whole picture. We are the current church in this world as what Israel was in Egypt in that context. So we learn a lot, therefore, on how to conduct ourselves because the principles are the same. They have not changed. See how resilient they were in that context. They could not give up, they could not bow to any other God. They could not do anything. They waited on the deliverance of their God. But listen. Clearly here, you and me are no longer waiting for the waiting that they were doing. Jesus has come and delivered us from the power of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, from the power of the kingdom of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of the son of his life. We are in the kingdom, but in the world. And the world still persecutes us. And we need resilience now more than ever. And our resilience is put now in that the spirit of the Lord indwells you and in. me. He is our resilience. He is the agent of the resilience that we put now. We don't fight by ourselves, we fight by the spirit of. We have every armour that the Lord has given us to be resilient now. So ladies and gentlemen, hear me very well this morning. Our life here as Christians will be persecuted. Every day we are in a storm. Every day we are tempted. Every day the enemy seeks to trip you and. Me. Every day we meet up with many things, certain schemes, and every day we choose to fall or to stand. That is resilience. Every day we choose to fight and not fly. <laughs> every day we choose to engage or to hide. Many of us are not fighting. Many of us are hiding. Men of us are crying. Men of us are mourning. Men of us are giving up. Many of us are doing like the world. He might come tomorrow while you are caught up. Are you with me? Resilience. Resilience is what we are looking for. How resilient. Can you withstand? The Bible says you will not be tempted beyond that which you can afford. Every temptation coming your way, you can manage it. Don't run away. It doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter how big it looks like, you can manage it. Everything that comes your way, you have the capacity. everything. Everything, be it death, be it sickness, be it whatever you can imagine. You and you alone is wired to it. So don't throw it away and call your pastor. Hangry it. We will come and lift up your hand, but hangry it. It's your responsibility. You know, one thing that we need to learn as believers these days is to be responsible. Responsible for our fight. Responsible for our faith. Responsible for our salvation. Responsible for what we are becoming in Christ Jesus. Don't delegate to the fivefold ministry. Don't delegate. It's your duty. Talk to your neighbor and say it's your duty. You are too quiet. It looks like you are afraid. See, it's your duty. It's your duty. Do it. Don't delegate. It's you who is supposed to help. Yeah? There is passion in you to take drugs. Don't call a pastor and say, please pray for me. I'm about to take drugs. No! Make a choice yourself. Run away. Walk away. Stay away. Your friends are misleading you. It's not even an issue of your mama's prayer. It's an issue of you deciding and knowing who you are. You want to clap with these or you want to be separate from the world. The challenge is we are afraid of separating ourselves from the world because we think the world is beneficial. The world has temporal benefits. They last for seconds. But the impact and the effect is eternal. And remember, the world is after your praise. The world is after your worship. The world is after your faith. And when they dilute your praise and your faith, they have got you. Because your power, in a context of manipulation, is in your praise. Sing a little Mm louder. Just increase the volume of praise, not the volume of grumbling. Not the volume of mourning, but the volume of praise. Then we are on the winning side. Sometimes praise is not singing, but running away, walking away, saying no, saying I'm too special to fall for this crap. Too, too, too special. Because I have been bathed in the blood of Jesus. The problem with us, we are refusing to be proud of who we are. We think pride is a sin. There is that foolish, demonic pride. That's the one which is a sin. But this pride of how special I am because of the blood of Jesus. It is the one that heaven enjoys. Too too special. Because I'm the righteousness of God. I bath in water, congratulations, but guess what? It is the blood. Don't be too quiet on those things. Boast. The Bible says, if should any man boast, let him boast in the Lord. Not in anything else. The problem is we are refusing to boast before Satan. We allow Goliath to boast before us. And they threaten and frighten us and we are quaking it. Running away, and we are doing all sorts of things. Instead of standing up and saying, Listen, shh, it's my turn to boast. I'm born of God. Whatever is born of God has overcome the world. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have the Spirit of God in me. What Jesus is this morning in heaven, I am here today, now. That's who you are. And that boasting inspires your faith. And that boasting casts out devils even without you knowing. That boasting arrests your circumstances and brings the order of God. Because every situation has got to align to me because of who I am in Christ Jesus. I don't have to be commanding everything, align and forcing everything to align. No, it is already commanded by my presence. That's how you are resilient. Are you with me this morning? Let's go and let's see what I put there. What did I write by that? The Hebrew women or the Christians, the believers, they've got to be vigorous. Enduring, fighting a good fight of faith and God focused. That is how you will win. Learn, Learn to endure. Learn to endure. Learn to say, No, I'm not going. No, this one I'm not touching. No, this one I'm not doing. Otherwise, the table is saved, ladies and gentlemen. The world table, with all the delicacies of it. Are you going to feast and dine with God's enemies? Or you will go and dine on the table He has set before you in the presence of your enemies so that His name be glorified? Today, that table might look like it has ordinary meals just a loaf of brown bread, a marula butter, or whatever. Tell you what, those are delicacies. Those delicacies of the world, they have a hook in them. A uh, Daniel refused to partake. You will refuse to partake. To be resilient enough. Let's move on. I have spoken about do it yourself. Let's go. Let's go. What do you need to do yourself as I come to a close. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In this context, you are responsible for salvation. Jesus has saved you, but you need to grow in that salvation. Grow. There is going to be a grow after this service. But afterwards, it's you responsible. Work it out. That's what the Bible says. Work it out yourself. If you ask Still, today, what you were five years ago as a Christian, it means you are not working out your salvation. Because five years into your Christian walk, you're supposed to be walking on water. You're supposed to be moving heavens and moving hell out of your life. That shows you are growing. The challenge with us, we are too timid as believers. We don't want to to saturate ourselves with the culture of heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, the culture of heaven here on earth is a radical culture. It's a daring culture. An uncompromising culture. We walk tall, not because we have silver and gold. We walk tall because we have Jesus. And because we reign in the earth with Christ Jesus, and because he has made us kings and a priest unto God, therefore we rule and reign. We, we are not asking from anyone to be kings, he made us kings. So we walk in it with this understanding that when I get to a place, it is me and the spirit of God in me that is in charge, no other spirit. No other. It's either men bow to my God or they move away. Because I cannot bow to their God. That's working out yourself. Am I inspiring somebody? Else? In my language, less a little too much. We have too much. What do we call it? What do we call it? What English word should I use? We are too humble. You see, the humility of the kingdom is a radical humility. I am humble, but I fight. That's the kingdom style. Not this too humble that one does what they want. No, not with me. Demons can't do willy-nilly really, really with me. No, refuse it. That's who you are. And that's how you win. That's how you build up your salvation. Let's move on to point number two. Contend for your faith in Christ Jesus and the finished work on the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Jude says, Jude 3, verse 3. That's what he says. Contend for the faith. In this context, the Hebrew midwives, they are contending for their faith. Pharaoh, you will not make us do what we are. No. In the room and the Hebrew man say, Pharaoh, we will show you how our faith works. Yeah? It doesn't need a midwife. The babies come. Just like that. By ourselves. Content for the faith. Don't be afraid of declaring your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Others do. Those who believe in wrong things, they do. Do you know that wrong things are the ones that are given broadcast? Yeah? Don't look for their televisions. The earth is your television. The world is your television. Wherever you are, post, content, and stand, and know he did it all. He finished it on the cross. For you and me. Point number three. Let's move on. build your own faith by praying in the Spirit. That's what Jude said. You belong. Building your most holy faith. Praying in the Spirit. Many believers these days, we are afraid of praying in the Spirit. We are afraid of even speaking in tongues. And later on, praying in tongues. Let me help you here praying in the spirit or speaking in tongues yes we will teach this one of on these days is coming but praying in the spirit or praying in tongues the bible says it, it edifies you no one else it's for you it helps you to grow your inner man your spirit man because your spirit man is the one who must grow more than the physical man and the spirit man it's spirit He feeds into the things of the Lord. And there are things of God that my natural language cannot interpret or unlock. But when I get into the spiritual language, those things understand and begin to move. Yeah? They begin to align. They begin to shape up. And I begin to walk. You see, God has given you a language, a heavenly language that demons can't interpret. Don't be afraid of it. Speak it. Use it. It is yours. It's given for you. Pray in the Spirit. Lock yourself by your room and pray in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, you don't get tired because you are edified. Yeah? the spirit prays through you through groans that you cannot even interpret or understand yourself so allow, allow the holy spirit to work through you allow the holy spirit to minister to you allow the holy spirit to show you things so allow him to speak and pray because he knows how you ought to pray more than With me this morning. May I invite you to desire the spiritual gifts in this context because we want to overcome together. I think I still have a point. Yes. Be like the Hebrew women, be vigorous. Don't wait for anyone. Push. Kick out those demons. Yeah? Clap them if you can. And don't be afraid to go to prison for a day. <laughs> I'm not teaching you how to be violent. Physically, but in the spirit. Be like the Hebrew. Don't care what Pharaoh will say or do. After all, he's an enemy of your God. And he is already defeated. You remember that? Yes. And I said here, be like the Hebrew boys. You remember them in Daniel? Yeah? Be like the Hebrew boys. Do not bow to idols. Don't bow to images of this world. No, 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 no. no. Don't. Be like the Hebrew boys. Resilient. King, we honor you as king, but we are not careful to worry about what you will do to us. Whether you throw us in the finance of you, in that finance, or whatever you, our God will save us. If he doesn't save us, it's not our problem, it's his problem when you get to that level of faith and resilience heaven moves because god will never do anything that brings his name into disrepute never he will stand up from heaven and walk side by side with you and you will begin to enjoy the sight